Hello guys and welcome to the latest edition of the show. I'm very pleased to say I come from uh, Worms, uh, Wormsley, which is near Bristol. I think that's right, is it Joe? Yeah, well, part of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, on the edge of Bristol, which yeah. is a kind of a dogleg move for me on the way back from Sky Sports, uh, which I live in Cheltenham, came from West London, so it's a, it's a nice little trip, just a quick detour. And we're going to talk boxing today and I've always talked about how inspired I am by boxers, just that pure display of courage, which is why I think a lot of people gravitate to it, getting in the ring in the first place, putting yourself on the line. But Joe, Joe Hughes is a European champion, which is commendable in itself, former European champion, but as effectively, and I don't want to overdo it, Joe, but people say effectively one-handed to a certain <laughs> extent, because you were born yeah. uh, with the condition where it happened during birth, your herbs palsy, which has, has limited you significantly tell you about that is it do, do you mind being called one-handed how do you feel um, kind of it adds to the mystique around you as well yeah it? yeah i mean it's a bit it's a bit of a joke um to, especially like chat to me friends and i'll take the mic you know <laughs> you've got two arms what are you talking about <laughs> but yeah in terms of my actual boxing i can understand why people would um describe it as one-handed so what's the differential between your arms then um well it's different in every way you could think of really it's three inches shorter it's significantly weaker so significantly yeah. smaller you can tell just by looking at it the muscle mass is you know nowhere near the same yeah um i can't coordinate my hand properly really um i can't there's lots of movements i can't do with it the joints aren't you know they're not developed properly so yeah. the ball and socket on my shoulders the wrong they're the wrong so right arms are smaller isn't it yeah you yeah can see it, yeah um uh, yeah like i say it's just it's just weaker less coordinated shorter smaller um, yeah, <laughs> everything really. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's that's a massive. So you box Southpaw. Would you have boxed Southpaw yeah. anyway? Would you have known that? I'm orthodox. Oh, orthodox. You are. Yeah, of course yeah. you are orthodox. Yeah, but ha- yeah, you are. You're right. Yeah. Sorry, just because I saw you recently against Robbie Davis Jr. But how did that all work out? And in, in the decision to, to first of all get into the ring and box. Uh, well, my dad took me along. Originally, I did martial arts when I was five. Yeah. Started. It was sort of a way my dad sort of tricked me into doing physiotherapy. I've had to do physio, yeah, you know, since I was born. Really, you know, my parents would have to. Yeah. do stretches and make sure my arm was moving and everything like that try, well, try and get it moving um, I couldn't move it myself for about 6 months the first 6 months of my life it just wouldn't move at all yeah. due to the the nerve damage at the time as well and uh, so obviously as you get older and older you sort of throw a few tantrums about having to sit and do this physio every night uh, so my dad sort of tricked me by taking me to a martial arts yeah. uh, taekwondo when I was 5 oh, okay. you know, that sort of you know, I was into the Power Rangers, which is pretty hard sort of in itself stuff. as well. Taekwondo, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. My dad knew the fellow who run it, uh, who ran it, um, and it was just to, you know, just to get it moving. And they never thought, you know, I'd ever do anything with it, but it was just a way of tricking me into physio. And then when I was eight, again, my dad knew someone from the local boxing club in Malmesbury and asked if I could go down again just for physio. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, the rest is history, as they say, I suppose. And that was in Wiltshire, wasn't it? Not far from yeah, yeah Malmesbury. Yeah, yeah. Where, I, uh, where I grew up, uh, a little town called Malmesbury, which isn't far from here. It's about 20, 30 miles, so it's not too far. Yeah. Uh, still pop down there. It's good you know, to... most chance I can. And what did, what did boxing give you at that age? Because having the condition as well, um, being a young kid growing up, you said the physio, I guess you would have felt different. But being in the sport, what did it give you? Because we talk about character things, that playing sport brings people also watching sport inspiring people what did it give you as a kid when you started boxing um well it sort of gave me a lot of confidence that i don't know if i well obviously you can't yeah. tell but i don't know if i would have had it or not um but i've never really worried too much about it it's probably as i've got older i worry more <laughs> about it than i did when i was a kid um i know there's lots of stories of people with herbs getting bullied about it and things like that at school yeah um 
you know, I had the usual jibes and things off of people, <laughs> but it never bothered me. And it was like, well, you know, I just was used to doing things like that. And it gave me that confidence and as well as helping it physically, the mental side of it that it gives everyone with boxing and things yeah. like that, that discipline and everything. And, you know, just not let it, not letting it hold me back. My parents are always very much of the cases. Yeah, you might have that, but you can still do whatever everybody else does. It's not, you know, it's not something that, oh, well, you've got that, so we've got to wrap you in cotton wool. It was the opposite, if anything. And the, the technical know? aspect, say, of boxing orthodox, with the front hand being your strong hand, the left hand, how did that come about? Was that a simple decision? Or yeah, well, it, it yeah. just felt natural standing that way. Um, the doctors have said I should be right-handed. Yeah. Um, I should write with my right hand, everything like that. Um, I'm right-eyed, apparently. Oh, yeah, because uh, you do that thing where you close your eyes, can't yeah, you? You see yeah, which way you're looking. Yeah, I'm yeah. apparently right-eyed. Um, I kicked a football with my right foot, so they said... And they did a load of tests on me when I was a kid, saying I should have been right-handed. <laughs> I can't hold a pen in that hand. Yeah, but you know that's so what I'm, they say. They should have been yeah. all things being even. Yeah, so um, it's just natural for me to stand that way, uh, to stand in an orthodox stance, and I feel like it's better for me to you be able to use that left hand, that lead hand as a jab and everything like that, yeah. rather than just having a big backhand. Because I can't even throw. I, I do stand southpaw sometimes, just training and messing around, you know, doing fights every now and again. But you but can't jab with the right. I can't jab, or it's very poor. Yeah. Jab with my right hand. It's sort of like a <laughs> like a handbag almost, you know. So. Um, but because some people tactically do that, Kevin Mitchell did that, didn't he? Put his strong hand forward anyway, yeah. obviously without an injury. But he was very one-handed in the way. Yeah, he there's lots of well-known. For, oh, Oscar De La Hoya was yeah. left-handed orthodox. I be- believe there's a few of them that have been like that. I believe Marco Antonio Barrera. Yeah. Um, it might well be. Yeah obviously <laughs> work for them so yeah, um, yeah so it's, it's worked for me so far as well well they say the th- theory because you've you've been successful there's an element that people say when you say you lose your eyesight god forbid anyone that, that happens to them but their the hearing increases that kind of stuff is it the same way with your arms you feel that it's overcompensated with your left that you've you've got a variety that perhaps you wouldn't have if you were two-handed yeah absolutely i mean i feel like with my left hand um i feel like i've got one of the best left hands in my division in the world. Yeah. Um, and I don't see how anyone can argue with that, really, <laughs> because I've done come up to a European title yeah. using just one hand. You know, you see a lot of fights where someone injures a hand or injures a shoulder or injures a thing, and they go, oh, but, you know, they lost that fight, but they managed to carry on only using one hand. So that's every single fight that I've ever had. But I've just gone in there with one hand and used just that one hand pretty but your much. backhand you use for defence right as well though you do are, you are quite def- yeah yeah I use it for defence you know blocking covering up and I can throw it yeah it's just not great you know <laughs> that's a surprise just, tactic yeah well every now and again I will land a stiff shot with it and uh, people definitely caught off guard I yeah. think but you know I can't see myself ever knocking anyone out with it or um, you know it's more the the delay in it in my brain it's not just that it's okay. shorter and weaker it's a different like neurological that. pathway to yeah to with my down. left hand it just feels natural and I don't even think about what I'm doing with my left it just happens with my right arm it's right right okay I'm going to I'm going to line this up now and I'm going to try and throw a right hand and right okay okay throw it, <laughs> wait, wait, and then throw it yeah. which by then it's normally too late it's not a reaction yeah yeah so you go in the it's yeah, not an instinctive kind of move no it's a th- like a thought out process and obviously at that uh, high level of boxing you haven't you, got time to think as no such, you haven't so. you've been up to the high level but when you were eight and you, you sort of enjoyed boxing you got those character building aspects of it the confidence through it but what, at what point did someone say to you and perhaps they were you know maybe surprised the trainers you were working with that actually you've got a real talent and despite the the condition you could actually go far um I don't really know when that exact time was, yeah. but um, everyone was always really sort of supportive and encouraging around me. I've always had a really supportive family. My mum and my dad 
were always you know really helpful back me my dad used to drive me miles every weekend to go sparring and different things like that so it was sort of it was sort of seen as they were always there helping me and they and, saw how it was helping you in terms yeah, of your character yeah. I don't know if that was like I say just for the arm's sake and the, yeah. or whether it was thinking I could actually do something with boxing but I remember sort of it was at first it was just a massive thing to have a fight I was like yeah I wanted to have a <laughs> fight you're obviously not allowed to box till you're 11 competitively do you, well, yeah do you remember that like clearest day yeah the first, I can remember first my fight. first fight because it was a huge deal for me I'd been obviously boxing for a while then sort of three years so it was like 2001 time, was it? You yeah. born in 90, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two, yeah, it must have been, I don't know, September, October 2001. Um, and yeah, it was just a massive deal for me to have that one fight was, you know, something I shouldn't have been able to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, when I was born, the doctor said to my parents I wouldn't be able to run in a straight line. <laughs> so for me to have an amateur boxing fight was a huge deal. Um, and it was to me at the time. How, how nervous were you? You know, because people, I guess, had never competed at a decent level. But even people have played their first football match or, or whatever at an amateur basic level. Was that more nerve wracking? What was your emotional state like before that versus maybe the European title later on? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was that bad. You don't um, worry about when, it as a kid. Sometimes. No, when you're a kid, you just I'm so young that it's oh, just you're just so excited about it. And I was nervous and apprehensive and things. And you know, when you're warming up, you know, you yeah. get those butterflies that I you know still get them today. Um, but it wasn't overwhelming and I've always been quite good at dealing with uh, that sort of thing and I'd, I had had a few martial arts fights before that um, yeah. with the martial in taekwondo know, yeah from, I'd done that from a young age and I must have lost I don't know the way they do fights is completely different it's like a point scoring thing it's not yeah. really a proper fight but it's, it's still a sort of competition and, and also the, being used to getting adrenaline rush yeah. and, and being kind yeah. of in that in that spectacle being examined and being tested yeah and I must have lost my first 30 or 40 Taekwondo matches because I know I just didn't really know what, you know, I was... Was that harder with your condition than maybe boxing in a sense? Um, I don't I don't really know because, no. I mean, you've got two hands and two feet, at least you can kick. Yeah, that's three, true, yeah, yeah. I had three out of the four weapons rather than one out of the two. So you'd think it'd be easy, but I just prefer, I don't know, I've never been like yeah. that into the kicking side of it. I just, you know, I just did it because it was fun at the time. But I, and it wasn't, I wasn't even that nervous about winning or losing when it was my first boxing match because I'd lost so many it was almost yeah I wasn't that fussed I just wanted to do it obviously I wanted to win but it was it's a good attitude to have though isn't it it's a, as when you're learning a sport not yeah. to see defeat as the ultimate kind of um, end to something rather than it's just a learning curve and a, a kind of experience that you, you gain from yeah uh, definitely I mean we see it I guess it's more to do with the internet and everything now but we get amateurs here um, that are like they're so worried about being unbeaten and what their record <laughs> is and what they're gonna t- what they can tell their friends that their record is. It's almost boxing. a Floyd Mayweather effect, isn't yeah. it? I think the last sort of fifteen years in boxing. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Joe Calzaghe maybe. Yeah, as well. everyone wants to be undefeated and all this, and it's like you're a kid, you're learning to box. <laughs> Why does it matter? You know, you lose plenty of fights now. It's not the end of the world. You're 11 years old, um, and but luckily that was the sort of mindset. Yeah. To me at the time, it wasn't. You know, I obviously wanted to win, but and do as well as I could. But if I lost, it wasn't the end of the how, world. How did the first boxing match go? I won that one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and um, it was the best I boxed for a couple of years, I reckon. Really, um, my first few fights and that because I think after I had that first fight and I won it, I was like, right now I really <laughs> want to do something, and then I lost my second one. You so. get you sort of start to sprint too fast yeah. for yourself, maybe in your development. Yeah, yeah, it makes yeah run before you can walk sort of thing. You think, wow, I've done that. Yeah, yeah, and that now I want to do that. I want to make try and win more and everything like that. Um, but. Yes, it's it's good when you and it, start and, it, and it went through your teen years while you were at school and, and developed and, and kind of what you, you, you did you think at what age this could potentially become you know a career could mm. become a professional boxer? Well, I think 
um, probably when I was about 14, I won the, yeah, when I was 14, I won the schoolboys yeah. championships and box for England in the four nations. And I think then it sort of clicked to me, you know, I'm, I must be pretty good at this. You know, I was the national champion. Um, and especially with the condition, it was something again that like they, they shouldn't be able to do it did your opponents know at that stage were they aware that you had the condition because obviously now it's well sort of documented yeah. but would in those sort of amateur tournaments would they have been aware of it um, I presume not unless like their coach yeah had seen me box before or things that I wasn't the same then you know it wasn't all this social media with stuff about sure. and all of that sort of thing so they could have just thought you were very sort of maybe a left handed orthodox yeah yeah exactly or just they might have realised when they were watching the fight like he's only throwing the one hand but <laughs> going into it beforehand you know, yeah. it wasn't the same where you know they're not planning it or anything like that. Um, so worked out all right for me. Yeah, it certainly, yeah. It certainly did. I mean, I suppose was that a complication when people started to become aware that you had the condition? Was it they tried to target, do something different, or was it just something that I guess they all seem to be surprised, given you you got a very heavily <laughs> winning record, that yeah. they were surprised by what you could do anyway when they got in the ring with you, regardless of whether they knew about the condition or not. Yeah. I'd- I think obviously when I got further on, you know, I won a few national titles and things like that. People started to know then. It was sort of a bit of a story. <laughs> I was that kiddie with, you know, he only uses the one arm, but he's still winning stuff. Like I won the schoolboys, the juniors, the CYPs twice. Yeah. Uh, won the four nations, the three nations. Um, that must have done so much for your belief as well. You're going through those levels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I at that age it was I, I was re- super confident winning at all these fights, and it didn't really, you know, <laughs> didn't look at it as if. It didn't wasn't to me. I was like, oh, well, I'm only using one hand. I didn't feel bad about it. So yeah. It was, you know, it was a level playing field to me. Were your parents convinced at this stage this could be a future career? Yeah, definitely. And by then, you know, sort of, um, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, like leaving school, age, it it had sort of got to me then. Like, no, this is what I want to do. I want to, you know, do as well as I can in the amateurs. I wanted to go to the Olympics, of course, like yeah. any amateurs do. What happened there with the team? Didn't. Uh, well, I went on a few different trials with GB yeah. and stuff, and a lot of time they said I didn't have the potential to box really? prior to... Because arguably, the way you box with the left hand that's so busy and lands so many yeah. shots, so that would lend itself to, to scoring well in the Olympic format, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I beat a kid who'd won a world championship bronze medal, I beat him in the juniors, and I beat a kid who won a world championship silver medal in yeah. the juniors. Who was in your weight category at the time that, that went... Um, what to the Olympics? Yeah. Uh, well, I was at like welterweight, so it would have been okay. I can't remember who went there. Yeah, it would have worked out for me. We t- Bradley Saunders or maybe, Tom yeah. Stalker, perhaps. Frankie, Tom Stalker. Yeah, I'm trying to think where Frankie Gavin was. Yeah. What, what year were you trying? To, was it 2012? Twenty twelve. I would have yeah. been aiming for, but I'd already turned pro by then, and oh, okay. you know everything like that. But that would have been that. Yeah, it would have been sort of twenty twenty one, twenty two. So that would have been the ideal thing. But yeah, when it came to, I won. Like I said, I've been on a few GB trials. They'd said because. At the time, they, they were all banging on about you need to throw the rear hand to get the score and shot in internationals. And I was thinking, well, I'm winning all the domestic yeah. stuff. The internationals you're putting me in for, I am winning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've beaten these high-level kids that have won international medals. And you're saying I haven't got the potential to do it. And I don't know. I wouldn't say it was because they... I wouldn't say it was because of the arm that they didn't pick me for the squads and stuff like that. But it certainly felt like that at the time. So, that yeah, yeah it was weird because if you, they think that for some reason the back shot because it's traditionally known as a power shot, would be heavily scored, yeah. more heavily scored. But then surely if you are landing and landing cleanly, then it, it doesn't, it, the IEBA judges and things don't don't care about that. No, well, at the time it was all computer scoring okay. and they were saying the rear end, straight rear end is where the computer scores. Yeah. <clears throat> and I won the senior ABAs on computer scoring. And, you know, 
then I never got a phone call off of England, never got a phone call off of GB after winning them. And I was like, well, you know what, stuff this. I'm going to Have you ever heard from them afterwards when you've gone on no. to win a European title? No, nothing. No, no nothing at all. Because uh, a lot of people from the Olympic setup haven't really excelled as professionals. Obviously, there's the, the standout Anthony Joshua and, and Luke Campbell, gold medalists from 2012, who have done well. And Campbell's got a unified shot in the, in, obviously in the professional ranks against Lomachenko. But yeah. they're the sort of cream of the crop. It hasn't always worked out, has it? So it's interesting that that, that comparison, they didn't always necessarily judge it right because it is so subjective. Yeah, and it is a different, it's a very different thing, isn't it? Doing those yeah. three rounds compared to doing the 12 is so different. You know, I just I think to myself now, how I remember being tired after three <laughs> rounds in a fight against the amateur. Yeah. I was training just as hard. Well, Conor McGregor yeah. said this about going from UFC to boxing. How much more it yeah, was because it's, they com- got the five rounds. Yeah, yeah, completely different thing. Completely different thing. It's like a sprint in it. The three, the three rounds. Yeah. Whereas the twelve rounds is much more of a marathon, and you know, you definitely feel you have to adjust everything so differently. And just like not having the head guards, having the smaller gloves, you know, everything else, you can sort of get away with and your opponents can get away with and you know just a different so, scoring system everything's everything's different I know they've changed a lot of it now yeah it seems to be but, quite um, fluid the rules with the, yeah. the amateurs don't they yeah. obviously there's a lot of debate about whether the Olympics are going to have boxing next time and IEBA and there's sort of controversy with the IOC and yeah. very complex one for another another podcast yeah, yeah. that one to work <laughs> out and unravel yeah, yeah it does but your first professional fight when you've gone through the amateurs being successful did you, you talk about the differences in the style perhaps it's more physical could be more brutal in the professional ranks did you have any fear going into that with the, the condition or, or otherwise just the fact that you're stepping into a different arena your, your first professional fight um no not really i was worried about getting my license at yeah. first but luckily um i mean i'd had enough proof i had 70 amateur fights with no problems so <coughs> they uh gave me my license no problem it could be quite a stressful thing that kind because of, i spoke to muhammad ali who's the guy's the first diabetic boxer to ever be given a professional life. It took him years despite proving that he could take I think he's type one diabetes, take insulin and things to control it and he was but it must be I suppose that's the the, the grand permission, is it, from the British Boxing Board of Control. Yeah, I mean I was I was worried about it and um it was it was good that I'd had such an extensive amateur career with no like injuries because of yeah. it. So I think that helped a lot. Um and yeah, I was just lucky but I was more worried about that than the actual fight. I was just really looking forward to it to turn pro. Where where was your first fight and when? Um, <coughs> the Troxy yeah. in London. Um in and that was in October two thousand and ten. Okay. I wanna say so. Uh, anyone else boxing that night that people might be familiar with, boxing um, fans or otherwise? I can't remember, I think Sam Webb defended okay, yeah. uh, his British light middleweight title at the top of the bill. It was yeah. a Frank Maloney show. Um Kelly Maloney now. Yeah, Kelly Maloney <laughs> now. Um, at the time, and yeah, and it was a good show. Good show to be on. It was on Sky Sports, and did you love it? Like yeah, yeah, it was really good. Uh, I did a sixth rounder straight away, six threes as my debut, which you know a lot of people don't do. Yeah, um, which yeah, was, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, which was double what I'd ever done before, obviously. Um, and I was quite proud of that. You know, I've never done a four threes, so I was quite sort of. Yeah, you never done. You've never done a four rounder. Never done a four rounder as a pro. Obviously, done four twos yeah. as an amateur. But yeah, as a pro, I'd never done a four. How, how did you find it physically? Did it, it was feel tough. good? Yeah, yeah, it was tough. But I mean, I sort of said to people in the past, whatever round, however long the fight is, <laughs> you're just as tired at the end. You know, three rounds in the amateurs, you're knackered. Twelve rounds in the pros, you're just as tired did, at the end. But the only thing is you sort of feel it now as a pro. After a fight, you can feel it for a week and a half, whereas as an amateur, you're right the next day. But And how much being a pro, and it was a relatively like lower profile card, you're saying there, but in terms of the adrenaline, the lights, was that a big thing to adjust to and just to controlling your emotions and getting in that, what they call peak arousal, is it? That's that time where you're not, you're not too stressed out but you're not, you're not laid back either. Um, I don't know. I've, I've always been quite chilled with all that sort of stuff. It doesn't yeah. really phase me as such. 
Um, and I, my previous fight to that was the ABA final at your call, and it was sort of quite a big affair the way they did it. It was filmed, everything like that, and it was sort of just felt comfortable with it from the beginning. To be honest, it was. I just felt like this is how this well should be boxing. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like I should be boxing on Sky Sports and. Uh, yeah, this is just just felt natural. And did, did Sky obviously? I work at Sky now. Did this, they picked up on that early the narrative today about the condition and things no, like not, that. No. no, no, not at all. No, because <laughs> it's not come, I mean, it was the last year or so. It's been really well documented yeah. in the BBC and, and Sky mm. Sports and stuff, but yeah. it wasn't necessarily discussed much at that time. Yeah, well, it's it was a strange one. I did I didn't really go shouting about it because it was sort of still you know you don't really want to put it out there too much. Before yeah. I mean, if people do their research, they can find out. And like local papers have done little bits on me and stuff about it but nothing nothing major and it was always a thing that, that Andy my manager well, he was, well Frank was my manager at the time yeah Andy and we'd always sort of spoke to like thinking oh that would be quite a good story when it eventually sort of comes out and yeah. thinking it would get quite big and um, it took a long time for it to sort of get any traction or you know well known about it I think when I boxed Jack Cattrall was the first time yeah. it sort of came out in um, sort of bigger circles rather than just my local the opponents paper. must have known by that stage I suppose but is it almost a case of it was irrelevant especially because it's the front hand and that's the one always in their face that you know they have to get past that to get to your backhand and exploit it anyway yeah well I think um, they obviously knew about it yeah but it's knowing about it and dealing with it is a completely different thing and I think it was <clears throat> actually a hindrance to some of them because they would think Overthinking this is going to be easy yeah. or just think this is going to be easy only using one hand it's going to be, you know, an easy fight. What have I got to worry about? But then if you look at my record and everything I've done, you know, over the years as an amateur and as a pro now, yeah, you think, well, it can't be that easy. It can't be as simple as just, well, just keep your, your right hand up so he can't hit you with his left and, and you're going to be fine because otherwise I wouldn't have, you know, won anything It'd be if it was that easy a puzzle to solve. Um, <clears throat> but I think because I'm quite proficient with that left, yeah. um, it, it obviously makes it more difficult than it would first appear or appear on paper anyway yeah it was proven well hasn't he got a winning record only lost four defeats you've never been stopped and you're up at European level weren't you and then you you had a, a second opportunity it's a second opportunity to claim the title wasn't it but, yeah yeah so what yeah. was the first opportunity like and how did that go talk us about uh, well um the first opportunity was we got offered a fight against Anthony Yigit who was the the title holder at the time I think he defended it a couple of times already yeah, as well it's a Frenchman yeah <coughs> Swedish Swedish yes. yeah um but I'd I'd a few months well that fight was in December. In the April of that year, I challenged Tyrone Nurse for the British title yeah. and got a draw in a fight I thought I won and most people thought <laughs> I won. Um, and then I was trying to get another shot at that, really. And But in the meantime, I ended up having to have surgery on my left elbow um, <coughs> in sort of, I can't remember, it was July or August, and that took a long time to sort of recover from. Yeah, it would and, do, yeah. Yeah, but then we got offered this fight against Yigit for the European title, and I was like, so oh, no. first fight back from a, an yeah. elbow injury, which is yeah. pretty important from, in, in yeah, boxing. Just, yeah, <laughs> especially for me, my the one arm I you, do use. Yeah. Um, but it was such a big opportunity. I was like, well, I'm going to go for it anyway. Sort of knowing I wouldn't be at my best, but yeah. you know, give it give it a shot. You got to roll the dice. Um, I got in there in the first sort of four or five rounds. I was doing okay, and you know, I thought I was probably up on scores the first few rounds, and then. To me, normally my left arm doesn't really get tired. It's just constantly working and yeah. everything like that. And I normally, you know, it just normally keeps going. But I felt after sort of five rounds, it was there was nothing left in it. Because you'd been had that layoff with the injury. Yeah, and I think going into it, I didn't really think of that in my head because my whole life my left arm's been really strong and plenty of endurance. 
<coughs> Excuse me. No worries. But it's quite, it's yeah. interesting how quickly you can lose that as mm. well, isn't it? That fitness for just a, a yeah. few weeks or yeah, a month well, or so off. Well, having two or three months of not using that left arm and then going in there, and obviously I'd sparred and stuff, but I hadn't really done a lot. Yeah. I, I didn't really grasp how much I'd lose of it. Yeah. Um, and obviously Yigit was a very good champion as well and went on to the challenge for the world title afterwards. Um, I'd come up short in that and fair enough. You know, he beat me fair. But you got the opportunity again pretty soon after against yeah. Andrea Scarpa. Mm. Well, it was actually a year after. Yeah. Um, pre- but it was only sort of, I had another fight. Seems relatively short terms yeah. in terms of boxing, doesn't it? Especially yeah. when you get to that level, it's quite strange because you do end up boxing sort of, what, two or three times a year, yeah. which must be quite hard psychologically to peak and physically. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a, yeah. Um, I had another fight quite quickly the February after that yeah. one that I lost. And then, yeah, I got the, the shot against Scarpa with a bit more notice. And I'd sort of been training all year, hoping for an opportunity or something, just hoping to jump on something at short notice. And how much planning did you do for him in particular as an opponent? Was that a big part of the, the camp or was um, it emphasising your, your skill set? It it's a tricky of, one that to weigh up, yeah, isn't it, when I you're in an individual some, sport? Yeah, well, it was it just got sparring with some taller guys. Um, I've, I've always been the shorter guy anyway, <laughs> so it wasn't something I was worried about him. He's about six foot tall. Um, and Which is what making... This is 140 pounds, 10, yeah. 10 stone. Yeah, yeah, he must have been yeah, 5'11", 6 foot, and I'm only 5'7". But I was, it wasn't really fussed because I'm so used to that. Yeah. Um, lots of guys I've fought and obviously sparred and everything like that are all a lot taller than me. And um, yeah, It must be tricky not so much the height but the reach because obviously the style that you box at with that front hand being dominant and, and jabbing, is that ever an issue with the, the reach or I suppose no, you I, circumnavigate it? Yeah, no, I think because I've done it so much now, <laughs> yeah. I've sort of got used to it. Um, and we sparred, you know, some good, good tall guys, and and it worked. And I went in there, and over in Italy, and, and managed to win the title. So it worked yeah. out. Yeah. It's a fight in Italy. Did you have any doubt going into it? Do you ever have that imposter syndrome of like, yeah, you know, should I be here? Am I, am I, you know, worthy of this, <laughs> this, this opportunity? Uh, no, I, I didn't feel like whether I was worthy or not. But it was, it was sort of going over to Italy. Was you obviously, you know, Italy's well known for being tough to get a decision in yeah um so it was sort of a case of right i've got to really try and win clearly here um if not stop him to you know get the decision but luckily it was a matchroom italy show so obviously it was on sky yeah um which brings at least people will see it if i won or lost yeah people would so they'll see. be able to assess the performance rather than the decision because in boxing you almost have to do that don't you because we'll get on to robbie davis jr in a minute and it's like controversy there but there's an the way the boxing scorecards work, the judges have to three judges have to score each round, award a winner, and then they add it all up at the end. But they can't review their round by round, so it can can always be slightly skewed, can't it? Depending on subjectivity of of what box of what boxing judges like. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, you know, it's like with home decisions and everything yeah. like that. It's it's something that shouldn't happen, but it does. And well, emotionally, every punch the home fighter lands is a big cheer, and you wonder if that carries weight in the ju- you know judge's mind, even if they're just human after yeah, all. Yeah, exactly, and it's just, if it's a subconscious thing, like you say, with all the cheering and all that. Um, luckily, in the fight against Scarpa, there wasn't much cheering for him, because he didn't really <laughs> land much, that was uh, good. thankfully. Um, so, but one of the judges still managed to give Which city him. was that in again in Italy? Uh, that was in Florence, oh, which okay. is a lovely city. Yeah, yeah nice, very nice. That yeah. was a real experience that was going over there. and A lot of art and stuff know. in Florence, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, which really is a nice lot place. of Italy. Yeah, brilliant. It was brilliant going over there. But yeah, I mean, I thought I probably won 10 of the rounds in yeah. that fight, and yet still one of the judges gave it to him. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> yeah, you know? It's but amazing, like, isn't it? But what, do we, what can boxing do? Because what happens in boxing, and I, I cover boxing as well for Sky in the past and Matchroom now, but 
you, every time there's a decision, and particularly one, everyone goes, oh, it's wrong, it's the wrong decision, should have been X, Y, Z. And what often happens in wide landmark decisions as well, they say, oh, no, that was scandalous, how could it be that wide? But then actually, if you look at the system of boxing, you could edge yeah. every round and end up winning by 12 on yeah. the card, couldn't could you? It could be a really close fight and yeah. you could still win by... You know, 12 points so it's but. kind of the system do you think I mean should anything <coughs> change should they look at more stats and, and bring it into it's, it's tricky isn't it because yeah, then, then landed punches could only be like feathered touches yeah it's really difficult isn't it because it's a subjective sport and you know there's lots of ways you could choose to score it yeah but is that one better than the other one and do you think maybe more judges would that even it out maybe because sometimes you've seen especially in Vegas like a rogue judge who's gone yeah. completely against the, yeah. the rest of them yeah I mean it it could do but I mean at the end of the day it's still a spectator sport and what so as a promoter you're going to have to pay 10 judges or you know yeah. it's, it's just the practicality of it as well I mean I've heard people say well the judges should sit in a separate room and watch it on camera and then you know they all decide away from the crowd with no and different things like that Yeah, you think well yeah, that's great, but how practical is that? It's it's, it's difficult, isn't it? and you've got to have the winner announced there. Yeah, there. I'll, I'll, I wonder so, sometimes if you know when someone really not knocks someone down, but has a really em- emphatic round, whether there should be more commonly scored ten eight things like that, so that it maybe affects it more than the kind of the typical ten nine just to the person who's won a round, regardless of how well they've won it. Sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I think that would be a good one. Yeah, you could win a round without knocking them down, but be right on top of them. Yeah. And at this, it would still only be a ten nine according to most judges nowadays. I know they could yeah. score a ten yeah. eight, but it's very rare. Um, so yeah, maybe some some rounds like that you know the odd ten five if you do drop them once or twice and give them a right you know close to stopping them yeah why not score it a ten five or a, you know a ten six rather than oh uh, well and how, well, how, how do you deal with that process because when you get a decision loss or a decision <laughs> win that perhaps was close do you have to review your performance based on what you think your potential is rather than what the judges award regardless of the result almost uh, yeah because I've had a few fights where obviously I've disputed decisions. And I've sort of watched them back and thought, well, in my head, I I think I'm winning this, <laughs> but they're obviously not scoring it that way. And why are they not scoring it that way? And then in the next fight or, you know, thinking, well, if I box that kid again, yeah. I'm going to have to do something different that in my head, I'm already winning. But it might be different judges anyway. So that's well, the weird thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you go, you change it thinking, oh, yeah. that'll work for the judges. And it's a different judge and they would have preferred what you did the first time. So it is very difficult. And I don't, there isn't a simple answer for it. I, and... You know. well, it's like anything in the, I think where people assess you in this that kind of gatekeeper because even working in TV like me so you know people say oh so and so is a great presenter or so and so saying Hollywood's a great actor but it always it requires someone to say well give them an opportunity doesn't it yeah. and with boxing it's similar that that people's destinies can be determined by who's ringside judging those things in the end and you have to I guess accept what the sort of randomness of it is to a certain extent but also try and focus on what you can control and, and your performance yeah when, when I go into fights I try and put that to the back of my mind as much as possible and just yeah. think well I can control what I can control and the rest of it I'll try not to worry about until I have to worry about it you know when they're going to raise your hand or not raise yeah. your hand and it is it's just you've just got to go into fights like that because like if you just worry about well I'm just going to get robbed <laughs> when, so, you, when you're against Scarpa with your team telling you in the corner you're well up because <coughs> that kind of factors in your tactics doesn't it as you go through the fight yeah well um, yeah and I knew you could sort of tell in that fight um, that I was well up but it was still because his body language was suggesting it yeah, as well, he, was, was it? yeah. he was sort of very negative after a few rounds and I think he'd sort of give up almost <laughs> um, 
Oh yeah, a stomach bug a couple of days before really? the fight. Yeah, that's and mad. Because Luke Campbell's first defeat against Mendy said he wasn't right and yeah. and felt wrong and but went through with the fight. That, was that a big decision or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But again, it was just a big opportunity. I was like, well, if I'm ill, yeah, I'm just gonna go and help you make weight. I guess anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, it did yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, but um, I was sort of like I, I didn't have the energy I should have had. Yeah, and I was I was thinking I need to try and stop him. Even that's such I, a draining thing to have yeah. a, stum- a stomach bug. It knocks people out for yeah. days from regular work. Yeah, well. Yeah, it's just, you know, you're never going to go into a fight. And it was just one of those things. Um, and But I was thinking, oh, God, I'm trying to push myself here. And I couldn't really get up into any more any more gears, even though I felt like normally I should have. Yeah. But I felt like, well, I'm winning clearly anyway. You know, hopefully this is enough. But I was just thinking, well, I need to try and knock so it down. So you had to pace yourself more than maybe you would have done normally or just kind of... Well, it was just as the later yeah. rounds went on because I thought the style I was using to box in was working perfectly anyway. Uh, and, and really, I think if I just upped it more... It might have left me open more to counters, yeah. and it might have, you know, backfired, and I would have ended up losing a few of the rounds that I shouldn't have. <clears throat> so it probably worked out for the best. Um, with fair judges, I wouldn't have worried in the slightest. I'd have been like, "This is perfect. I don't have to worry." But it's in the back of your mind nagging. Yeah. Even though, like I said, going into the fight, <laughs> you've got to not worry about it. You can't help yourself but worrying about it, and you just think, oh, "I've got to try and win as clearly as possible. Do I need to knock him down? Do I need to stop him? This, that, and the other." I'm not like a huge puncher or anything, so you think well I've just got to try and win as clearly as I can and just by trying to do that luckily that time I was successful yeah, but, yeah what, just... what did it feel like when you got the that, that nod the judge, the scorecard came through and they said you know the new European champion yeah that was uh, that was some feeling uh, that was some feeling especially flying over there um, I'd had well I say I'd had my wife had given birth a month before to our second son um, wow yeah my grandfather died the week before I went to Italy. Wow. Um, and how did that get? How was your head going into the fight? Were you able to, to fight, or did it distract you in a way that made you relax about the fight? Um, it was like motivation yeah. to me. So it was just like, well, uh, I want to do that for for him and for my new baby and everything like that. So it all sort of culminated together, and it was very emotional. Yeah. At the time. And uh, yeah, I love a feeling. Did it all come out afterwards? Just to feel drained afterwards? <laughs> did you? Yeah, I was just. I mean, well, I didn't sleep that night at all. I mean, it's strange because if I mean, if the fight had been in England, everywhere would be open. But we left the after I'd done the drug testing and everything, we left the venue and everywhere was completely shut. And I was like, I just want to get really? a, a nice Italian yeah. pizza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting for one, and you couldn't get one. I you know, I ended up just sat in there, <laughs> sat in my bed in the hotel room and just like staring at the ceiling. So your wife and kids are at home, and yeah, any were, family with you at all? Well, my father-in-law is my trainer, oh yeah, of course. So, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, my mum and dad couldn't come. My mum was no getting up to mischief. Then if you find <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, my my mum and dad. That was another thing. My mum was in Mexico getting um, stem cell treatment because she's got MS. Wow. Uh, so she was in and that sort of like they do have quite a relatively high mortality rate for the treatment she was having at the Jeez. time. So that was something else. So I sort of sat there like. All of this is happening. So how did you do to process that mentally? Did you put it in a box and just not, or did you think about everything we just ticking over? Because that can be draining, can't it? Yeah, Thinking it and, and worrying. Of, it was sort of um, think about it, but try not to let it affect you. And um, I'm, I'm quite good at dealing with stuff like that and just putting it to the side. Yeah. Um, so it was something that I've always um, been able to do anyway. I remember when I was a kid, um, one of my aunties died, or it was a great auntie of mine, and they must have died at four or five o'clock in the afternoon and we had training at seven boxing at seven o'clock and I didn't want to go my dad's like no you you've got to go to the gym you know and and I think things like that and just you know um things that I just 
there's a time to process things, but sometimes there's a time to just kind of crack on with things. Yeah, and I think you can wallow and everything like that and be upset about things, but it don't it's not going to make it better. So no. you carry on, and like I say, uh, it was motivation for me. You know, so yeah. you become a dad quite in your in your twenty. By the way, is your mum okay? Uh, well, yeah, she's yeah. She, yeah, the treatment went well, so good. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> I, know, I thought I should have probably checked that. But, <laughs> yeah. um, becoming a dad cause it's interesting because I became a dad a few years ago as well and it changes your life and it's difficult is it because things you did before that were virtuous can be seen as selfish and if you're awake but, but you, it's your job to train to be physically in a good condition how difficult yeah. has that been with the sort of wake ups in the night and stuff you had to sort of separate yourself from it or have you um, got stuck in it's very diff- difficult um, lots of fighters don't they they go away from their family yeah. and everything like that I've sort of decided in my head that if it affects my boxing so be it yeah. I'd want to be there you know they're only going to be kids once and also it puts a strain on your wife doesn't it yeah well? definitely definitely and I don't want to just drop her in it. <laughs> she's really good she's supportive she looks after the kids you know when when I've got a fight she does do all the, the night stuff and everything like that but it still wakes you up you can't yeah. help it and unfortunately both my kids have been nightmares with sleeping like I say the, the one that's born yeah mine two's four and a half and we're still giving her a sticker if she stays <laughs> in her own bed past midnight I think yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well, like I say, the youngest one's nine months now, and he's still in our bed. You know, halfway yeah, halfway through yeah. the night, he comes you just in. Give up, don't yeah, you? yeah, it's just you know, <clears throat> what can you do? But um, I sort of decided to myself, they're more important than boxing. Yeah, and uh, obviously, people who separate themselves, you know, their kids are still more important to them than boxing, but they're just doing it in a different way. And yeah, I don't want to be away from it all. Um, I want to be there and be involved, and that gives me happiness as well. You know, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, my wife goes to work I look after the kids all day they come to the gym with wow. me um, it's good training yeah they're here when I'm training all the time the kids are in the gym every day my oldest was in the gym when he was two days old wow my youngest was in the gym because when he was born I was training for that fight yeah <clears throat> we were in the hospital my wife gave birth I come over, came to the gym went <laughs> back that night stayed over in the hospital that night um, and then the next morning when we took the baby back come come home and came to the gym you know one day old is in the gym it's just you know part of their it's nice to combine the world isn't it because otherwise it can be quite separate I suppose particularly as an athlete if you do separate, remove yourself from the, the family situation you miss out on those those moments yeah and I think those moments they're only going to be here once yeah. and I know the boxing career is only here once as well but to me it's not as important yeah um, being around my kids and the family and everything like that that's what it's probably your main legacy isn't it as yeah person. exactly I mean and in 20 years I might think well I could have done a bit better in boxing <laughs> but if I miss my kids yeah um, you know growing up I think I'd but I guess the key more. points of a camp if you're able to get the rest you need and that's the, the most important thing isn't yeah it? exactly exactly I mean I try and get some sleep in the day and I'm really lucky because my trainer like I said is my father-in-law yeah so um I bring the kids here. There is grandkids, so he's quite happy to look after them while I'm training. Plus, it'll also help like your wife as well because often they have respect for their dad, don't they? And if they say something to them, that yeah, exactly. rather than you say, "I need a night's <laughs> sleep," if he says it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he message, does. Yeah. He says like, yeah, it's, he'll tell me, what, you know, we, we've got to look at the kids, make sure Joe gets sleep. Yeah. And everything like that. So it's all, yeah, it all works out well, and it's a whole, it's like a family thing here. Yeah. at the gym so it's, it's brilliant I'm really really lucky you know most fighters aren't as lucky as me in terms of that like the kids just run around it's like a playground the gyms it's half a gym half a playground really so um, I'm really lucky in that sense that I got the opportunity and the chance that you know they can be around me and it still works yeah I remember Ian Holloway the football manager former Queen's Park Rangers player as well he, he said that when he was a player he loved 
just staying at home on a Friday night in the, the madness of not getting sleep and then going to a game because he didn't think about a game and have all that. Some people, for them, it's better to be distracted and immersed, whereas some people like to, I think it was like Bernard Hopkins, people like that, he used to like take themselves away and yeah. just think about the fight. But I think some people, I don't know if you're the same, actually rather sitting there thinking about it it's probably can be a negative thing if you're just on your own yeah definitely i find if i think about it too much i do get you know a bit like caught up and stressed about it yeah so having the kit you know it just does take your mind off it i find when you go up and obviously stay up you know by the venue uh like night before the weigh-in and the night of the fight you end up just sat there with nothing to do and it does get a bit i feel yeah. a bit stressed <laughs> like then you're thinking like you all you think about is the fight and everything and obviously it's around the corner so you need to be concentrated yeah but um but you can't do anything can you before the event that's no, the exactly. interesting thing yeah, about you it you just yeah. sat there and watch tv there's nothing you can do about it that close it's not like you say well i can go out and train yeah because that isn't the thing to do either you just need to rest and chill so it's it is a strange and then you have to switch a button don't you maybe when do you try and switch on for a fight what's the uh, not till i'm in the change rooms and quite close to it warming up and everything like that yeah say I try to relax as much as I can I think a lot of people burn up a lot of nervous energy getting yeah. ready for fights and I have done in the past when I was younger and things like that so I try and just chill as much as possible relax you know sleep in the day and things like that and we, we have a joke and a laugh corner team as we're getting ready and then yeah sort of 10-15 minutes before we're probably going to go out sort of becomes a bit more serious then but I still will try and say calm you see people try and get aggressive and yeah. get wound up and psyched up so to say I that wouldn't work for me you know I just try and be real calm and yeah we saw clear. David Price have a big win recently didn't we against Dave Allen and apparently people said that previously he would get really I don't know whether it was the case this time or not I haven't had seen an in-depth interview with him but he would get so amped up in the change room that he'd almost be drained by round five or six and hence we saw him get some savage knockout defeats yeah I mean and that would definitely make sense because he's obviously a fit guy trains trains yeah. on life you know everything like that and you just think well, you, why are you gassing so quickly um He's obviously doing the work in the gym. You start, your mind can drain your body, can't it? <laughs> yeah, Even how fit you are. Yeah, and just that adrenaline, all that adrenaline running through your body, and then when it dumps, when it, you run out of that, it's like well, it's, you know, it's it, the opposite, isn't it? So. It's interesting. Adam Harper put us in touch, and he was saying to me that when he was like, starting out as a pro, he'd have, you know, drive yourself there, and he said he'd have the, you know, that's his sat nav, and as soon as he saw the flag he'd suddenly start to get that fight yeah, or flight yeah, and he'd start yeah. to think, I want to turn around and go home. <laughs> but, it's the, do you, I mean, but you seem like a guy that's in control of that emotional response quite quite well. But Because you, you need a bit of it, don't you? You need the optimum kind of buzz yeah. from the adrenaline, but you don't want too much because then you just get stressed out. Yeah, I mean, I remember my old amateur coach, uh, Tony Stannard, he used to always say, well, if you're not nervous... You know, there's a problem. Yeah. You know, and obviously being a kid, you'd you oh, I feel nervous and you just worry about it. And he's like, and he used to always be like, say to us, um, <coughs> try and I'd, use be, it. I'd be worried if you weren't nervous. Yeah. So it's just think, accept it in a way, yeah. rather than try and fight. Yeah. It. You just use it and just not worry about it. Don't let it think. Oh, you know, I'm nervous. Or, you know, this means I'm scared yeah, or exactly. something. Yeah. Yeah. And all that. I just think, well, this is fine. This is just. You know, my body's gearing up to fight and, you know, you keep running to the toilet, you can't help it and you think, well, that's just a natural thing. That's the nerves running through my body and, you know, it's the adrenaline coming through and that's going to help me on the fight and yeah, just means I'm focused, you know, and everything like that. So, so it's, it's just something you've got to control. It's easier said than done, you know, but it's, you know, you, you do learn to do it, I suppose. Well, you certainly have. You won a European title. You came back and you fought Robbie Davis Jr. in Liverpool. I was there that night, March 30th. What are your reflections on that? Because, again, it was, for some people, a contentious decision, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was a good fight. Um, Robbie's a good boxer, and, you know, I've got nothing against him. He's a nice lad. Um, I felt I won the fight. Yeah. Um, I think... You were definitely up early, weren't you, for, yeah, for sure? Yeah, and I think 90% or so of social media seemed to think I won the fight. 
um, most of the boxing outlets, yeah. the magazines, the websites, everything like that, think I won the fight. But again, I didn't get the decision. Well, how, how, do you, how do you process that, though, sort of <coughs> getting the belt taken away? The Brit- well, it's British and European, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I had the European, he had the British, yeah. so they were both on the line. It's very, it was very, very frustrating, and um, I made some comments in the press about, about the board and everything like that, <laughs> and things like that, and I've been called in for meetings really? and stuff with them about it had to go to London have you for that yeah yeah and it was you know just through frustration and anger and things like that at the time so did they review the scorecards or not no no No. it was just about things I'd said no no fair enough I can understand it but I was just you know frustrated and things like that I'm sort of chilled about it now Um, and I've sort of accepted it but what can you do there's nothing I can do about it but it's so weird because the same performance could have won you the fight and you'd be British and European champion. I'd be British and yet, European judges champion. Judges saw it slightly yeah. differently. It's it's a hard one to get your head around, isn't yeah. it? But you have to, I suppose, if you can't change something, you almost have to accept it, don't you? Yeah, and you know, it's not the first time that it's happened to me, and I think that was more the reason why it was frustrating because yeah. I felt like, like I said it before, I thought I'd won the British title and I only got a draw. Uh, my first loss of my career, <clears throat> I thought I won the fight, but I didn't get it. So is it is it judges you want more of sort of rough and tumble because you're more of a technician? Do you think is, is that... I, I I honestly do not know. Yeah, I honestly don't know. And like you say. Some judges will look at it one way, and they'll think, "Oh, you did, you know, that was right, and then, you know, then this was wrong, and different stuff like that." So it's it is it's hard to know and hard to guess, and you sort of second judge yourself. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was at the verge of like, I'm not going to bother boxing anymore. Yeah, it's just it's happened so many times, it's so frustrating. You don't get paid enough for it to be worth it. You know all the stress and. Well, people don't know, realize, do they? Because they think European champion. That's one of the main continents in the yeah. world, but presumably, you're not financially made for life. Absolutely nowhere near. No, absolutely nowhere near. I coach, I teach boxing, and yeah. that's where I earn my money from. And then you know, doing having a fight here, and there's a little boost. Because it's costly as well, isn't it? Because you have to pay trainers and, and everyone else, and, and you gym. have to pay for everything. Yeah, trainers, trainers, um, obviously a manager, um, hotels, and everything. It all adds up, doesn't it? And just the kit and the different food you'd eat, and you know. It's just all that, and the money you don't earn because you're training. Yeah. Um, Are you big on nutrition? Do you try and eat organic and things like that? What's your well, I'm not it? like over the top, but yeah, <laughs> I do try and be careful with it when I am training. And um, I sort of do it by myself, but <clears throat> I've done lots of research over yeah. the years and what works for me and tested things out on myself. Your high and, protein diet, is that work for you? Or? Um, it's sort of a bit of a balance. I don't eat meat, yeah. but that's more of like a ethical type oh, okay, yeah. decision rather than a... do you eat dairy products yeah 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 which i could have been protein <laughs> agree with either but oh, really? i still do it but um, it's, t- it's tough to get all your protein when you're vegan isn't it i know you can do it but you have to be very thoughtful about it if you're not yeah. eating dairy yeah it's sort of just i think at the moment it's sort of a bridge too far yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and i'm sort of very much if i say i'm going to do something i'll do it and i'll stick to it so i think to myself if i say i'm going to go vegan that'll be it and i'll, I'll have to stick <laughs> to it then for my own sort of peace of mind um and i I don't think it'd be ideal for me when I'm still training. I think sure. you still need some, some of that, some of that stuff to, uh, yeah, to perform. The amino best. acids and stuff build yeah, the muscle. Especially and the, yeah. I mean, I eat plenty of eggs and things. Like yeah, that. And try and get them from free range as best as you can, and you know, farms and everything like that. Um, but you know, you can only do so much. But you talk but, about the frustration, the financial element that you're not made for life, and the, but all, and the judges. But another part of it is, of course, injury, and you said illness as well. When you build up to a big event two or three fights a year something changes and that's happened to you recently you're supposed to fight Lewis Ritson who stepped up former British champion at lightweight come up to super lightweight um, and that would have been an epic encounter because you both have big fan bases you weren't going to fight him on his home soil in Newcastle which probably would have been safer for you than being there because they are pretty raw because I've been up there but that, that got called off because of an injury to yourself yeah um, yeah. unfortunately I injured my back a few weeks ago sparring 
Um, and it's nothing like super serious, but it's just bad timing. It's um, a niggly one. Yeah, sort of. I did it in the spiral room, had a day uh, rest on it, got some treatments in the physio, everything like that. I tried to carry on training, and it was just getting worse and worse. Day day after day, it was just getting worse. Um, got to the stage where I couldn't even shadow box. So <clears throat> it was just it was sort of out of my hands really and Andy um, manager decided you know that's you know enough's enough yeah we're going to pull the fight because I would have been going in there you know less than 50% I think I, I couldn't move my head it's not worth risking once you've been at that level of winning European titles yeah. it's not worth risking a, a fight for yeah and I with think injury. if I'd have, if I'd have gone in there and lost that there's you can't say after as well I was injured yeah use that as an excuse um I think if I'd have lost that that would have been me sort of in the wilderness then for a while it would have taken me a while to get back up to those sort of fights so I think it was safer to pull out and then hopefully still get another big fight next would you like to fight so this year so we're sort of just coming into August 2019 yeah. do you want to fight before the turn of the year <clears throat> yeah definitely I think October November would be perfect um, like I say I don't think this back injury is anything too serious I think another week or two of rest and it should be okay to start some light training again so fingers crossed you know or late autumn would be pretty much perfect yeah, and just have to see see what happens really. Uh, uh, when you won that European title away in Italy, it's a fairy tale story. You had that emotion. Did it feel like climbing, sort of reaching the summit of the mountain, or <laughs> when you reassess and you talk to everyone, do you think that you've got goals and, and ambitions you want to achieve? But of course, boxing is is a job for you as well. Like people always think, if you're not going to go and win a world title, why would you carry on? But it is a job. But do you do you have goals now in mind, clear ones, or what you want to um, do again? I just want to be fighting on that sort of stage. Um yeah. and go as try and go as far as I can I would love to go for a world title I think obviously the, the only thing bigger than a European is a world title yeah <clears throat> I mean I would still like to collect the British at some point um but a rematch with Robbie Davis would you yeah definitely yeah. yeah definitely something I'd be interested in I don't know what his plans are or anything like that we've obviously asked for it yeah and they don't they is don't. there a venue around here because it's a it's a sort of because I live in Cheltenham <coughs> it's, it's not necessarily a boxing hotbed is it that's why no. it's unique for yourself and Adam Harper is up the road near near Cheltenham as well that you've got boxers in this area is there is there an opportunity for have a dream home match would it be like um, <laughs> I don't know Bristol City's Ground Ashton Gate or something um, that be well that be that would be a big big yeah. of an event um, it's it's a big old yeah, <laughs> big old very thing. Bristol Rovers ground yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd probably be the Malmesbury Vicks football yeah. team uh, more likely to sell yeah. out but <clears throat> I'm not really fussed about it. Um, there are some bigger venues, and they're on about building a big stadium down here at the moment within the next few years. Oh yeah. Um, so you never know. Fingers crossed. In the next few years, it could be a big event. Yeah. Uh, down here. In that well, James DeGale fought in the shopping centre in Bristol, didn't he? Was that? Did he at some point? I'm sure he fought in Bristol. I think they fought up the um, up the road in Clevedon. They got a big uh, okay. arena up there. Yeah. Uh, hand is it Hand Arena? I think. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but and they had I think it might have had Tyson and there's Fury another on there Br- as well. Bristol boxer as well. Slip my name is it Lee. Lee Haskins. Lee Haskins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a big venue in called Whitchurch Sports Centre. Okay. They've had a few big fights and it's quite big and spacious. Uh, so they they could do an event in yeah. there. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. There's nothing really that's really suited for boxing. So you're waiting for the injury to completely clear up before you pinpoint a, a Yeah, date. well, I've tried to do little bits here and there. And like I say, I can't even shadow box at the moment. But I think a couple of weeks. And it, it won't be up to me pinpointing the date. It'll be up to what the promoters want to do, you yeah. know. Like this fight. So do you speak to people like Eddie Hearn regularly or your manager speaks to him? Uh, yeah, well, not necessarily always Eddie Hearn himself. But, you know, the, the Frank Smith, the, like that, yeah. and, um, the matchmaker and stuff like that. Uh, Paul. So oh, yeah. We have to Paul, see. yeah. Just have to see. 
see what they come up with, really. I mean, I'd like to still fight Ritson. I know they were talking about um, Ritson and Davis fighting each other. And that's a good fight in terms of spectacle because Ritson's kind of barrels forward, doesn't he? He got found out a little bit against Patera, a European level at, at yeah. lightweight, and perhaps you don't maybe fancy a chance of doing something like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it'd be a cracking fight. He's come obviously come forward. He's exciting, big puncher, dangerous. Yeah. Uh, sort of no nonsense, no you know silly <laughs> games about it. It would just be a proper fight, and. Um, he he obviously said that he struggled with the weight that much against Patera and that affected his performance. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but you can only take him at his words. He got hit. He got hit uh, early, didn't he? It seemed to body shots seemed yeah. to stop him in his yeah. sort of gassing quite a lot. Yeah, but I mean, struggling with the weight can affect how you take body shots. Yeah, so that's that true. Could have been part of it. Um, and and he's obviously moved up since, so he must believe. How, how, how are you at the weight? But are you this weight, so you're five feet seven inches tall. You got to make ten stone. Is that is that comfortable yeah, it's, for you? It's, I wouldn't say it's comfortable, <laughs> but it's not... Because that's light, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I know you're only 5'7", but 10 stone for a man is light. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I sort of just let myself do what I want, I sort of will go up to about 12, 12 and a half Yeah, because you're quite a naturally muscular guy. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm a bit chubby. I've, got, I've, got, <laughs> I'm not I've, def- that, I've definitely got the fat gene. Um, <laughs> but I, people look at me and don't think I'm very big for the weight, but my legs are sort of twice the size yeah. of most of the like welters That's because people try and have this thing of boiling down, don't they? It's yeah. like Canelo, whatever he's done in the past. At, yeah, the sort huge of, amounts, yeah, huge amounts. At like middleweight and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, and I, I spar with middleweights and, you know, things that, and I don't get pushed around. I, I push middleweights around in sparring and things that. can't be healthy to boil down. I know <laughs> the theory is that you're a bigger man in the ring, but you've spent the best part of the, the week before a huge event draining yourself, yeah, haven't I you? Think, Starving yourself. I think there's like a tipping point. I think if you can get it right, yeah, you drop a certain amount. <laughs> but if you drop too much, if you just go over that little bit too far, you're never going to recover. But imagine like Roger Federer ahead of a five-set tennis match or, you know, or Man United's <laughs> team just saying, right, guys, just lose a couple of yeah, stones this week and then go and play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is madness when you think of it. Um, it's the biggest, you know, events, sporting events, and you've got to do, you know, perform to the highest degree yeah. that you're going to perform at and you're spending the whole week not eating. It's important to just get it right, isn't it? And yeah. like someone to, who you trust to work it out because it's not just based on height is it because John Ryder people thought he was a middleweight because he was not tall but then actually you meet John Ryder he's just ripped and you yeah, know yeah. naturally very big broad guy and he's just excelled now at super middleweight yeah well everyone's got you know it's all different body types and yeah. you can look at one person and think well they're half the size of them how can they, <laughs> how can they be the same weight yeah. they can quite easily be the same weight and the one that looks smaller can be twice as strong as the bigger one yeah. so it's it's not all on on looks is it when you weigh at that certain weight Do- um do you, do, do you as a family man have any health concerns not only about losing weight and stuff and going into the ring possibly dehydrated that people have done but obviously Adam Harper I spoke about had a brain scan this year this you know English title win back end of last year then he gets a brain scan saying it's changed and his whole life has changed do you worry about the, the health the health fears in, in boxing yeah. especially being a, being a dad yeah definitely and definitely more so since I've had the kids um, it's definitely something that does play on my mind sometimes yeah um, I knew Nick Blackwell. Well, I knew Nick Blackwell quite well. Yeah, we used to spar. How, with him how is Nick time. Blackwell? Yeah, well, he's not not yeah. great, but he's he's improving and he's doing well for himself. And so, for people who don't know, Nick Blackwell had a had a bruising match against Chris Eubank Jr. Went into a coma, and then against doctors' advice, came back and sparred. And then, um, obviously, he had another another coma. It, he is back, and we've seen him publicly. But I suppose when you look at that story do you understand why he got back in the spa that he couldn't walk away I get it yeah I do get it I still think it was silly and it's more the people around him that let it happen almost yeah. that was it's almost like an addict yeah you know I, I, I feel like 
I'd like to think I wouldn't do the same, but I can understand that, that nag. Yeah. Do you know, that nagging feeling of I want to do it. You know, Need that adrenaline, yeah. that comp- competitive thing. Yeah, and it's been part of your identity as well. And Nick was always known as a tough guy as well. Yeah. He was, you know, he was you know, yeah. tough, strong. Well, it's hard game. to imagine because he's so friendly out of the ring, wasn't he? Yeah, well? he's a lovely kid, lovely yeah. kid. And got on with him well. But you wouldn't... Um, when you're in there and everything like that, you know, it's just... It is a rush and you sort of think, to yourself, well, I'm living for this and I can understand why he would do it and it being a real tough thing for him to have to give it up especially when it's taken away from you there's people that choose to give up yeah you know that's one thing and if you've got the option you think and you think to yourself well I could do it if I want to maybe he wouldn't have bothered yeah but because it was almost it's taken from you and you you so brave isn't he so brave in that fight that sometimes it can be undoing as a boxer yeah and and like you say um, obviously I know Adam he used to train with us a lot and yeah. everything like that. I knew Adam pretty well and obviously he had a change on his brain scan another kid who I'm really good mates with who used to train with us uh, who was undefeated as a pro had to retire Kane Stewart um, known him for years and years he had a change on his scan he had to retire um, it's tough so it's people around you as well and you think yeah. oh god you know I mean and they're fine luckily there's nothing you know they've retired before anything serious happened um, but especially with the, you do worry about yeah. it and it is something you I'm early on in my career a few times I made the weight wrong and did things <laughs> like this you know dehydrating yourself and silly things and I think to myself now why would you put yourself in that position yeah Um. I wouldn't do it now I've got too much to lose if it came to the stage where I, it was you know you've got to sweat this off or you're not fighting it's it's like, definitely well, when you've got someone else you're responsible for yeah, isn't it yeah. yeah and if I had to pull out of a fight because of that I'd pull out of it and you know stuff what people think if people think you know you know that's unprofessional or this that and the other yeah that's fine okay. other people's opinions matter less as you get older yeah well. exactly and yeah. you just think yourself, you, you think what you want it doesn't matter to me I can still I'm still going to be able to provide for my family for the next 50-60 years if I'd have gone in there and you know got I mean two people died like, was it last weekend or the weekend before yeah. you know so it's not a it's not a and it, the argument is a boxer saves more people than it than it takes, but it is a is a brutal brutal sport, isn't it? When you go through that transition, as well, and I've taken up a lot of your time. So, but just the the, the final part, if you got a plan for for post boxing, and um, do you think you can take attributes of what you've developed through boxing, your character attributes and, and aspects of it into the the next chapter as well? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, like you say, it saves a lot more lives than it um, than it takes that's definitely definitely true I mean there's so many success stories of people you know turning their life around through boxing and everything like that Um, and not the just the people you see who uh, you know they achieve world titles but actually didn't have a father and were involved in gang crime and then got discipline and respect and And they went to their amateur gym and they may have never even had a fight but they trained for a couple of years and took them off the streets yeah. yeah and they ended up getting a nice job but their family you know happy and ended up never went to prison and never there's thousands and thousands of people that that's happened to that you would never hear about in the media and why would you it's not on a yeah huge story <clears throat> about someone famous but it's it's changing people's lives i mean i mean even me to an extent i don't know what i would have done without without yeah. it i mean it gave me a focus and everything like that and it's done so much for my arm there's so many people with herbs palsy that you know would have originally would have been worse than uh, i would have had a worse diagnosis than to start off with but i've done so much with it that it's it's really helped me um so i think all the calls that you get of people saying to ban boxing it's not less you just don't they just don't understand especially nowadays with all the cuts to the youth work and everything like that and schools cuts and everything like that you need places like this we 
kids in here all the time. Mental and physical health and yeah. everything. So and I've got, I think I've got a minute left for this recording. <laughs> okay. uh, cl- clocks out in an hour, but just what's your your, your goal yeah. for the next? Well, that's what I want to go into is teaching boxing and coaching boxing. I do it now as it is. Yeah. Uh, but when I do retire, I take it even more seriously. Try to take it into schools as well, maybe. Yeah, definitely schools. My wife's works in schools as it is so we've even spoke about that starting our own business going into schools delivering boxing i've gone into schools and talked to pupils things like that about discipline and everything like that the boxing teaches you so as well as just teaching it on from a sporting side from the side of trying to help people um you know the sport's done a lot for me so it'd be nice to give something back Joe, been an absolute pleasure as well. I appreciate you taking the time today, especially as you, you're out injured. Wish you the best of luck and we'll, we'll keep following you on social media and wait for that yeah. next announcement. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm on at Joe Hughes Boxing on social media if you want to follow me. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Yeah, brilliant story. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you listening. Do review it on uh, iTunes as well. Ed Draper 81 on social media as well if you want to follow me, sports broadcaster in the UK. Appreciate your time listening to this one. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye.